Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. The search for a female jailer and her jailhouse lover has come to a crazy, careening, screeching halt. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Series XM 111. First of all, listen to what we have on record as the last transmissions of hearing Vicki White on radio. You are hearing the last utterances of Vicki White on the run with her jailhouse lover, six foot nine, uh, at the least. What happened after that is very well documented. Take a listen to our cut 36, our friends at WEVV Fox 44. We are right over here, just off of Highway 41 and Birch, and you can kind of see the scene is very chaotic right now. We are still learning details, but we can confirm that both Casey and Vicki, um, one is in custody and one is in the hospital. Um, the female is actually in the hospital. Um, we know that they are driving down here in a police pursuit about 70 miles per hour. You can see that car flipped over um, in the ditch right now. We have multiple agencies on scene, but apparently this was going for a while. Now, we do not know the condition um, of her, but we do know that he is in custody. Let's get out and run. The chilling 911 audio reveals on the run prison guard Vicki White's last words to her escapee lover, Casey White. Uh, joining me in all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now, James Shelna, 27 years Metro major case at Shelna Law Firm. Karen Stark, New York psychologist, joining us. KarenStark.com. Lenny DePaul, former chief inspector, commander U.S. Marshal, Fugitive Task Force, Dr. Tim Gallagher, Medical Examiner, State of Florida, and host of the International Forensic Medicine Death Investigation Conference, Brittany Harry joining us, reporter, anchor, WAAY 31, that's Huntsville, and special guest joining us, Sheriff Rick Singleton, the Lauderdale County elected sheriff. Sheriff, thank you for being with us. I know that you're going through a lot right now from losing a trusted jailhouse employee for many, many years, somebody that you respected, a co-worker, a friend, the betrayal of that, and now her death. It's uh, It's been an emotional roller coaster the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I, I just don't really know how to explain it. I mean, uh, when we first got word that uh, that they had left, uh, our initial uh, feeling was that he had somehow, uh, you know, uh, overpowered her and, and taken her against her will. And it wasn't too many hours into the investigation when we realized that, uh, that she had played a part in it. Uh, we were still grasping at straws, hoping that, Maybe someone from outside on his behalf had threatened her, threatened her family, coerced her into helping him escape. Uh, but within a matter of a few days, it became obvious that um, that she was very much involved in this plan. 
very much involved in the plan, if not even the mastermind of the plan. Guys, take a listen to our Cut 40, our friends at WVTM 13. Nikki White has died tonight. Investigators say she shot herself following a car chase with law enforcement. It all came to an end today in Evansville, Indiana. That's about a 220-mile journey from Lauderdale County. This is the press conference that we've been talking about all week that we wanted to call. After days of searching across the country, Casey White and Vicki White are in custody. The duo was hunted down in Indiana. U.S. Marshals received a tip about a car, this Cadillac, believed to be driven by Casey and Vicki in Evansville. That led to a chase. The, the Marshals Task Force officers intercepted them, actually collided with them to try to end the pursuit. After the crash, according to law enforcement, Vicki shot herself and later died in the hospital. Casey peacefully surrendered. We got a dangerous man off the street today. Uh, he is never going to see the light of day again. Did she shoot herself? That remains to be seen. And also take a listen now to our cut 38 WEVV Fox. We're standing right next to the ditch where this all went down and you can actually still see a part of that car left behind, perhaps a, a headlight or maybe a taillight still left right there. And we're learning it really didn't take long for the car to end up flipped on its side in the ditch. The pursuit really only lasting about two blocks from St. George Road to Birch Drive here. But what's most surprising to law enforcement is the fact the fugitives were still in the Evansville area nearly a week after they were caught on camera at a local car wash it took a force it took a force to do this and i knew it would be an end in a shootout i knew it would the community in shock and disbelief standing mere feet away from where an 11-day nationwide manhunt came to an end following a brief police pursuit around 4 30 monday alabama convict casey white and corrections officer vicky white crashing in a ditch off us 41 in evansville Straight out to Brittany Harry joining us from WAAY31. You can find her on Facebook, Brittany Harry News. Brittany, thank you for being with us. Explain how the whole thing unfolded. And you know, everybody keeps saying we knew how it was going to end. We knew how it was going to end. I felt all along that there was a very high percentage, if I was a betting person, that somehow Vicki White would end up dead. And you hear her last words, let's get out and run. And you hear her also saying, I knew we shouldn't have left the hotel. We should never have left the hotel. Tell me how the whole capture played out. Well, I'm still actually in Evansville, Indiana right now, uh, doing day two coverage here. And I just do want to mention that I am just one person at my station that has been covering the story. It's definitely been a team effort. But here in Evansville, I have been in contact with the sheriff here um, and police and local authorities. And what we know, according to the sheriff, as he mentioned in a press conference yesterday, was Vicki and Casey were seen leaving that Motel 41 along Highway 41 here in Evansville, Indiana. And not long after they left the parking lot, we know that a pursuit ensued. And not long after that, it ended with a crash. But Sheriff Dave Wedding here in Vandenberg County, Indiana, said yesterday that U.S. Marshals actually rammed the vehicle, that Cadillac that they were in, into a ditch. And that's really how that crash happened and how all of this ended. And Sheriff Wedding said yesterday that had that not happened, this, this might have had a different ending because he says that Casey told 
authorities that he planned to have a shootout with law enforcement. So Sheriff Wedding obviously said that he's very, very grateful that that is not what happened here. But I know Sheriff Singleton is on the line and I do want to you know, pass my, my condolences on to him. I know this is a tough time for him. We heard him say that at the beginning of the call. And really, I mean, Nancy, I know that you were saying that some people were suspecting that it might end this way, but definitely still a sad situation. I think people may have expected it, but they were hoping for a different outcome. Right. Sheriff Rick mm-hmm. Singleton joining us, the elected Lauderdale County Sheriff. Sheriff, how did they get the caddy? Uh, my understanding is they purchased it. At the, we found the first vehicle that we were able to identify, the Ford Edge, abandoned in Tennessee actually a week after they left, and it was actually abandoned the day they left. Um, we know that they uh, purchased a black pickup truck in that area. Uh, that's the pickup truck that was found at the car wash up in Indiana. Uh, the local police ran that vehicle. It was, didn't come back stolen because it wasn't stolen. They purchased it. Uh, they abandoned it and apparently got the Cadillac. I'm assuming they probably purchased it too. They had the cash with them. Were they down to about 29 grand? Uh, that's my understanding. That was the approximate amount that was recovered. So they ran through $70,000. Is that right, Sheriff? Uh, You know, she had already purchased one vehicle here. Uh, She had made several other purchases, clothes for him, uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So so they had a considerable sum of money. It's amazing to me that they managed to pull off so many car purchases, staying in a hotel. They had to eat. How were they getting that? Were they going out? Were they ordering in? How did they register into the hotel without driver's licenses or without anyone identifying them? We understand they may have paid a guy to register at the hotel, but the buying of the multiple cars, the vehicles, the hotel, the food, the car wash. Take a listen to our cut 37, our friends at WAAY. Just today, investigators released this photo of a 2006 Ford F-150 pickup truck in Evansville that authorities say the couple abandoned at a car wash around May 3rd. It wasn't until Sunday that authorities got the tip. Turns out the two were still in the area. We got a dangerous man off the street today. Uh, He is never going to see the light of day again. For days, law enforcement had urged the public to be on the lookout, hoping Casey White's 6'9", 340-pound size would make him easy to spot. Sheriff Singleton is anxious to have him back in custody in North Alabama to face charges of capital murder from the 2015 stabbing of Connie Ridgway. We've already made arrangements for the Department of Corrections. He will be brought here for arraignment. If it's 2 o'clock in the morning, it doesn't matter. The judge has agreed to come out. Stories with Nancy Grace. Lenny DePaul joining us, former U.S. Marshal Service Fugitive Task Force. Lenny, I'm very surprised they're still in the same area. And how did they pull off buying so many vehicles, staying in hotels, getting food? How'd they do it? Well, Nancy is a crazy and intense manhunt, obviously. And first of all, my condolences as well to Sheriff Singleton and his department. I can only imagine uh, what they're going through. But, uh, yeah, I mean, staying on the run, this guy certainly wasn't going to hide in plain sight at seven foot, 300 pounds. Um, but the U.S. Marshal Service, the Great Lakes, uh, and also the Gulf Coast Regional Fugitive Task Forces, and, of course, the Sheriff's Department, 
they did an outstanding job, Nancy, and here's what they did. They put, you know, they utilized the intel that they were gathering. They put everything out. Social media was fired up. Uh, you guys did a great job plastering their photos. The public remained vigilant, and sure enough, the fellow working in the car wash uh, did his homework, ran some video, and, and identified this guy. So uh, they were out there. They had a plan. Uh, apparently, uh, there was a fly in the ointment with vehicles possibly breaking down and whatnot, but it was only a matter of time. And thankfully, uh, as the sheriff said, I mean, when they pitted that car uh, and the weapons that were found in that vehicle and the ammunition, it could have been a lot, a hell of a lot worse than what it was. How did they pull it off for this long, even uh, staying fairly close to home? Take a listen to Hour Cut 49 from the Vandenberg County Sheriff's Office. We got a photo. They had about $29,000 left over. Here's a picture of the money that was left in the vehicle that, that we counted last night after we inventory the vehicles. How did they get the F-150 in the cab? They purchased the F-150 and uh, drove it here. And where they got the Cadillac, I'm not sure. Do you have any idea what, what they were doing here for? Well, I think he said that he was just trying to find a place to hide out and lay low. And they thought, you know, they'd driven long enough that they wanted to stop for a while, get their bearings straight, and then figure out their next place to travel. We don't believe they have any relatives, friends, or acquaintances in Evansville, Vanver County. Well, I can tell you what they wanted to do, Brittany Harry. They wanted to hole up in that hotel and use all those sex toys that she bought before they took off and went on the run. Now, how did they manage to get into the hotel? I mean, when I write a check at the grocery store, I have to show a driver's license, credit cards, you name it. Okay. So how did these two on the run, their faces plastered on every TV screen in the country, how in the world did they manage to hole up in that hotel and nobody noticed? How did they sign in? Yeah. The short answer is with a homeless man, Sheriff Dave Wedding said yesterday, he told me that they had an alias and that I guess that they paid a homeless man to essentially help them get this 14-day stay at this hotel. And uh, we've done and we've seen interviews that have been all over uh, with the owner of the hotel. And he apparently had no idea that the two were wanted and neither did the homeless guy. So I also know that that homeless man, he won't be facing any charges here in Indiana or anything like that. You know, Sheriff, they had about $30,000 left. And I'm guessing the way they bought the cars, first they bought the getaway car, the orange car. Then they got a an F-150 black truck. Then they ended up in a Cadillac. Again, when you don't know the horse, look at the track record. She got the first car in cash with a fake ID using an alias. I bet that's what she did the, the other times. What do you know, Sheriff? Well, uh, remember the, the uh, car she bought first, the Ford Edge, was abandoned the day they escaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also bought the truck you know that same day so no information had been put out the, at that time about their descriptions uh you know uh, at least it hadn't gotten the kind of attention that uh, that you know it got in the days following uh there was a, an apb put out uh through the national crime information system uh but to law enforcement but as far as the general public if most of that information was just localized at that time Mm-hmm. So, you know, who they bought the truck from probably would have had no idea they were wanted. So are you saying they bought the escape car, the orange escape car, 
and the truck on the same day? No, ma'am. They, they left here in the orange car. It broke down or whatever happened to it. It was abandoned in Bethesda. That's where they bought the truck. Same day. Gotcha. Yes, the same day that they left. Right. Uh, and again, even though their faces weren't out there yet, she probably used a fake name. And Ellie's, do you know what name she bought the orange getaway car under? Uh, it was a Maxwell name, Marie Maxwell. Maxwell. Betcha she did the same thing because, you know, James Shelnut, 27 years, Metro Major Case, now lawyer at Shelnut Law Firm. She's smart. She's really smart. I don't know how, how I think he's got a, a, a low wattage, but... <laughs> Even though she may be smart and had planned this whole thing out, I guarantee you she did the same thing over and over. You know, she devised the very best plan and did it over and over. Were you surprised that she was able to get her mitts on three separate cars while on the run? Well, you know, I thought about that. And uh, I, that's something that caught my attention as it did yours. And, but, you know, when you think about you buy a used car, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You know, what you're doing is you're going up and, and looking at these cars. It could be off Craigslist. It could be off Marketplace. Uh, you go up and tell people your name. They write you a bill of sale and you hand them cash and very few questions are asked. Uh, and I don't know if she bought these from a dealership or not, but if she had a fake ID, they likely would not have ran that mm -hmm. ID. And once cash hit the table, they could have easily got it. Here's the other thing is that when they buy those used cars, those tags are not immediately transferred. So for days, if not a week or two, they could have ridden around in that vehicle and it showed the previous owner's name not stolen and looked like a clean vehicle if law enforcement ran that tag. Mm-hmm. She was smart. She didn't use a stolen vehicle and she had the money to do that because a stolen vehicle would immediately go up. All points bulletin, APB on that, thinking these two had done it. But not only did they get the three separate getaway cars, they blew it when they went to a car wash. Take a listen to our cut 41 WVTM 13. On May 3rd, a stolen Ford F-150 was discovered at a car wash in Evansville. Surveillance footage from the car wash appears to show Casey White the first sighting of him in the city, meaning they were there for possibly a week. Well, they're criminals. Sometimes they do things that are unexplainable. But in this case, I'm glad they did. Casey will be extradited back to Alabama to face arraignment. Sheriff Singleton says he will do everything in his power to make sure he can never escape again. To you, Sheriff Rick Singleton, the Lauderdale County elected sheriff. Sheriff, let me understand this. So they get three getaway cars, and then while they're on the run, they haven't been caught, they take one to a car wash? Yeah, uh... You know, to back back up just a little bit, the truck, I understand, was in an individual yard that was for sale. And mm -hmm. uh, they bought it off of, off of an individual. Uh, also, uh, the first major break we got in the case really related to that truck because uh, when we got the uh, information on the truck and the marshals uh, ran it on NCIC to see if there had been any activity, that's when they found out that an officer there in Evansville had checked that truck out a few days before. So that that's what uh, led us to Evansville to start with. The truck. So the truck was a key part of, of uh, you know, being able to finally locate them where they were at. 
as far as them staying in a motel, you know, they had paid the, the bill ahead of time for two weeks. And, I, and I'm going to be – my personal opinion is that the, the national media attention that this got, uh, I think, drove them underground. I think that's why they uh, wanted to stay there for a couple of weeks and lay low because they knew if they poked their head out, just as uh, you mentioned she said in that uh, audio – that, you know, we should have never left the motel. You know, I, I think they knew if they got out and about that they'd be spotted. Yeah, you know, Karen Stark joining me, New York psychologist joining us from Manhattan. It's Karen Stark uh, with a C. Karen, I, I, I don't get it. You, you stay under. You're getting away with it. You're paid up for two weeks. You don't have to see anybody. You can stay in your motel room, order in, and play with your sex toys. Nobody knows you're in there. You can put the do not disturb sign on the door. The maid won't come in there. You're golden, right? What in the world were they thinking? Going, I mean, it's not like he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. He's six, nine. Well, when you think about it, Nancy, I mean, they may have, they might have had the best plan in the world, but now they are out there and actually trying to escape. And in a situation like that, you don't think all that clearly. I don't care how smart she is. Sooner or later, you're going to do something really ridiculous and get yourself caught. We see it all the time. So here they decide to go to a car wash. We know his picture. They took the picture. And I'm even wondering why it took so long after there was a police officer there for the marshals to wind up finding out that they had spotted him. Guys, take a listen to our cut 39, our friends at WEVV Fox. It all started at James Stinson's car wash a week ago, where he saw a truck abandoned in one of the stalls. The windows are down, the doors are unlocked. My first thought, oh my God, this could be this guy from Alabama. He had the truck towed the next day. Fast forward to Sunday night, his phone goes off. It's the U.S. Marshals confirming his suspicions. He said, did you have a car towed from your car? I said, yes, I did. I said, it's about that guy in Alabama, man. He said, yeah, it is. I said, yeah, they were there. Waiting for authorities to arrive, Stinson alerted 44 News Monday morning. 9.30, they didn't show up. I said, I'm calling Fox News. We were at the car wash minutes before U.S. Marshals. That's when Stinson showed us the surveillance video with six foot nine Casey White clearly visible. You can see him standing by the blue F-150 stolen from Tennessee, waiting for Vicki White. I see her circle back around in a Cadillac and pick him up. And then they leave together. U.S. Marshals shared some of the images in a press release alerting local law enforcement, bringing us back to the pursuit and capture of the fugitives. And more in our Cut 45. We recently found out that they'd been staying at a hotel uh, down the road here. It used to be a Motel 6, and now I think it's changed names. And they had a 14-day stay there. We were fortunate that during our investigation yesterday, an Evansville police officer who was just doing his good diligence of patrolling and being smart noticed the vehicle in the parking lot of the hotel and notified us immediately. So the task force members got together, they drove down there, set up surveillance on the hotel Soon thereafter, the two suspects exited the hotel and fled out of the hotel parking lot. They fled out of the hotel parking lot and headed uh, northbound on U.S. Highway 41. Take a listen to our Cut 46 explaining it. The two suspects exited the hotel and fled out of the hotel parking lot. 
northbound on U.S. Highway 41, turned in at an industry known as Anchor here in Uppsville. They went through the parking lot, went through a grass field. The members of the U.S. Task Force basically rammed the vehicle and pushed it into a ditch. And we later found out, had they not done that, the fugitive was going to engage in a shootout with law enforcement. So by our quick thinking, our actions, sometimes people may call that unnecessary action, but that action may have saved many of my deputies and fellow law enforcement officers' lives. And that's why I represent the Sheriff's Office. I want to bring my people home, and I don't care about the fugitives' lives. I know that may sound harsh, but that is the view of law enforcement. They are trying to save the lives of their deputies and their people fighting crime and civilians, not as word about the fugitive sheriff rick singleton joining us special guest the elected sheriff in lauderdale county sheriff could you explain to me how it went down so they go to the car wash and it is there that the defendant is caught on camera all six foot nine inches of him she pulls around and picks him up in the caddy they leave the f-150 there go back to the motel and that's when they are surveilled. How did it all happen? Could you lay it out for us, Sheriff? Well, you know, it, it, a lot of it comes down to just basic good old-fashioned police work. Uh, you know, having the description of that Cadillac, and I, I, my understanding is a patrol officer spotted that Cadillac uh, in the parking lot. Uh, you know, it sort of reminds me of the Eric Rudolph case where uh, a, a rookie mm-hmm. police officer found him rummaging through a dumpster. Um you know, and, and that's that's the unique thing about this particular case. Uh, you know, usually when you have someone escape from a county jail, there's really no plan. You know, the only plan is to get out. And then once they're out, they don't know what they're going to do. And so usually they're apprehended within a matter of hours, if not just a few days. Uh, but this was well thought out, well orchestrated. Uh, they had all the resources they needed. And, um, you know, and I was thinking about that uh, just this morning, you know, when you stop and think about it. I mean, this was like looking for a needle in a haystack. They had almost a 72-hour lead on us before we got our first major lead, and that was identifying the the car they left the shopping center in. Uh, They could have been anywhere in this country. And when you start thinking about uh, you're looking for two people that could be anywhere in the United States, I mean, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. We had no clue what direction they went in at that time. Uh, we did find out late Sunday night that uh, this was, was the car that they did leave here in. Turns out that car had been abandoned the day they left. So, uh, you know, when when got to it, we didn't have it. We were back square one, didn't really have a lead. But uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the uh, United States Marshals Fugitive Task Force uh, that is a tremendous group of, of young men and women uh, who do their job and do it very well. And my own investigators in the early hours of this investigation, I mean, they did a tremendous job of canvassing that shopping center, uh, trying to develop some lead because we started with absolutely nothing. Well, I got to agree with you, Sheriff. I'm a big fan of uh, the U.S. Marshals. My longtime investigator, the first investigator, I was assigned in the district attorney's office. Big, huge guy, Robert McMichaels. He had a, a football ring. He was had had played football. And um, 
I remember when I lost him, he went to become the U.S. Marshal for the Northern District of Georgia. And uh, just a great, great man, relentless, his whole team. That's when I first really learned what the U.S. Marshals do. So, Sheriff, could you walk us through, if you don't mind, I know you know it like the back of your hand, but everybody wants to know how this thing went down. We know how they get out of the jail. We know how she planned it for weeks and weeks and weeks. We know they left in the orange getaway car and that they swapped the patrol car with the getaway car in a shopping mall, shopping strip center. But then what happened? Well, they obviously headed north, uh, uh, you know, had trouble with that car, bought the truck. Uh, from there, apparently went to uh, Evansville. Because okay, of- whoa, 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 wait. You got me drinking out of the fire hydrant. Too much, too fast. Yes, you told us you thought that orange getaway car ended up with a flat. So then they see, I guess, nearby, somebody with the Ford F-150, the black truck, out in their yard for sale, and they get it. What, did they walk to that place? Uh, my understanding is just right there in the general area where the Ford Edge was abandoned. Uh-huh. Uh, so... So, yes, I think they probably walked and saw this truck in the yard for sale and, and bought it. But, uh, you know, the, uh, apparently they went there straight to Evansville because my understanding is right. I think that truck was run either on Monday or Tuesday by that police officer up there, uh, reported by the car wash owner. And of course it didn't come back stolen. They got into Cadillac, checked into this motel. And I really think the reason they did that and especially paying two weeks up front is that they have, well, by now, this has made national news. Uh, their picture is plastered all over news stations all across the country on radio shows. Uh, you know, so they're out there and, and, and know that, uh, they're going to be easily spotted if they're out and about. Uh, he tells him we should have never left the hotel, you know, and, uh, you know, but they do. And I don't know where they were headed when they left the hotel, uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wherever it was uh, is a bad choice on their part. We know that the rooms in this, I think it was a Quality Inn, were very small, very bare, with an open closet. Not much was found in the room, but we also know that no one, none of the guests, saw Vicki White or her jailhouse lover leave, go in, or out. So there had to be some form of delivery going in and out. I'm curious that the delivery person saw them, was suspicious, because we also know that Vicki White had tried her best to alter her appearance, even using different wigs. In the end, she was recognized, and it's believed she took her own life. Or did she? Listen, these are her last words. Hello? You hear her say we should never have left the hotel. We should get out and run. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
You hear her say we should never have left the hotel. We should get out and run straight out to Sheriff Rick Singleton. Do you believe Vicki White took her own life? I think that's a possibility. Um, my understanding is that, that that's uh, what uh, the local authorities there in Indiana uh, think that the evidence leads up to. Um, the thing about Vicki White, uh, you know, she obviously was facing criminal charges back here, but knowing the Vicki I've known for the last seven years, I think uh, she was more, uh, uh, I guess, distraught over having to come back here and face her family and friends as she was the charges. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I mean, she, she was, um, loved by her coworkers, you know, and, and, uh, you know, respected and, uh, you know, I, I think that played on her as much as, as the charges themselves. And of course she's worked 17 years in a, in an institution. She knows what it's like to live on the other side of the bars. Um, you know, that might've been a factor too, but I think there is a possibility. And then my understanding is that they, they feel for, you know, Pretty much certain that, that that happened. That she committed suicide. Yeah, I think they're they're pretty much convinced that what that's what happened, and I know they did an autopsy. Well, I guess we'll know for sure when we get the results back from that. We have been told that in the end, she was found with a single gunshot wound, and that she still had the gun in her hand. Is that true, Sheriff? That's my understanding. You know that uh, uh, I've seen some video clips where officers are at the car. And they're talking about the gun in her hand uh, and so forth. And the other thing I've heard about the on some reports that she called 911. My understanding is that when the vehicle wrecked, that the uh, North Star automatically called 911. Uh, and that's actually overhearing their conversations. I don't think she uh, uh, actually knew she was being recorded by 911. Right. I don't think she did either. Uh that is how we get the recording that we've been playing for you, everybody, is the nav system within that vehicle, that Cadillac, started up a call upon the crash and called 911, is my understanding. To Dr. Tim Gallagher, medical examiner for the state of Florida, Dr. Gallagher, how common is it when someone commits suicide? and I believe she was shot in the head, that they can hold on to the gun. Well, that's typically what we find when somebody commits suicide that way while they're in the seated position. Um, so typically uh, their hand would fall down to their side and uh, because of uh, primitive neurological um, uh, actions that are still going on in their hand, their hand tends to clench. They're, they tend to make a fist. And then they make a fist around that gun, and it's still it's still found in their hand, even with their fingers still pulled on the trigger. Um, so when you're when you're standing, of course, that's not the case. Typically, typically they drop the gun, and it could be on uh, the right or the left side of them. But when they're sitting down, or even when they're laying down on a bed, so to uh, uh, for instance, 
their hand clenches around that gun, and they're often found with the gun still in their hand, their fingers still on the trigger. To Lenny DePaul, former U.S. Marshal Service Fugitive Task Force, Lenny, are you surprised that she killed herself? And do you think that she believed Casey White, her jailhouse lover, was going to shoot it out and die, that they would both go down in a blaze of glory? You know, Nancy, this 11-day manhunt, I I was concerned about her all the way around. I mean, I didn't know how this thing was going to play out considering his background, his violence. I mean, he's doing life in prison, looking at a death penalty on another case. Uh, and talking with the commanders and these task forces, uh, I was going back and forth with them all week. And that was their biggest uh, worry. How is this going to end? Was she going to become a hostage? Uh, was it going to be suicide by cop? Was it a barricaded suspect uh, situation? So these guys were hitting on all cylinders and, of course, not ruling anything out. I'm a little surprised that she took her own life. Um, if in fact that's the way uh, it ends up, I'm not sure. I believe the autopsy is out or was released a few hours mm-hmm. ago and, and, uh, and it, it was uh, a suicide and a self-inflicted gunshot wound. But uh, I do. Yeah, I was I was a little worried and taken into consideration the weapons that were found in that vehicle, um, you know, and the, the cars that they were dumping, whether it was flat tires, or mechanical issues. I don't think they were transporting provisions and weapons and everything into these cars. They were probably paying cash for food. She was disguised. Uh, wearing wigs all the time, from what I understand, uh, from the investigator. So she might have went out, got food, came back, whatever, and was laying low. But she was definitely off the grid, going dark for a little while. Don't believe they had any forms of communications, any devices, any cell phones, from what I'm hearing. But, uh, uh, you know, they had made ahead a plan B or a plan C, but it didn't work out too well for them. I guarantee, you know, when uh, Lenny DePaul said guns, they were armed to the hilt. Four handguns, semi-automatics, 9mm, known as the AR-15 that shoots two twenty-three caliber rounds. Any of them could have been used to gun down a civilian or an officer. You know, Sheriff Singleton, your girl was conned. She was conned. She thought this guy loved her, and somehow she was going to live out some romantic fantasy, change him to make him a good person. I guarantee you, Sheriff, she thought they were going to have a suicide pact. Guarantee you that they had talked about going out together in a blaze of glory. But that is not how it went down. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, how many times have we seen this happen in, in our jails and prisons, you know, where uh, especially a female uh, corrections officer is conned and and uh, wooed, you know, and, and to thinking that, uh, you know, uh, that, that they are somehow special to this inmate. And, you know, Casey White, if you watch the footage of him, I mean, even at the scene there, no, at no visible sign, no body language of any remorse, any, any, uh, uh grief, uh, or whatever that his quote wife had just uh, shot herself. Um, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, I, you like a lot of other things. You just don't understand why people keep falling for it. You know, Sheriff. Nancy? Yeah, go, go ahead, Karen Starr. He he, in my mind, had a smirk on his face. He wasn't crying, as Sheriff Singleton is pointing out. He's not moaning about his wife. Nothing. And I'm not surprised at all. When we talked the other day, I said this man's off his meds. He's really dangerous, and there's not just physical abuse. There's emotional. I don't know how much. He got her to believe that they were going to do this pact, just like the sheriff said, together and actually in their lives. And 
I'm not surprised he was smirking because this is a guy who has no feelings. He can commit, commit murder. So what wife? That's ridiculous. He could care less. Final thought to you, Sheriff Singleton. I'm glad he's off the street. You know, I appreciate all the help, uh, uh, especially from the media. I, I think uh, the media played a key role in driving them underground. And, and you know, once they uh, lit somewhere for a while, that gave our investigators time to follow up on the leads and uh, and tips and uh, actually locate them. And uh, I, we couldn't have done it without the media and without the tips from the public. Uh, that's, that's true in any kind of criminal investigation. I mean, the public's so important. Uh, and in a case like this, I can't stress enough the importance of the media cooperating and helping us get the word out there. I think it was a major factor. Justice unfolds as Casey White now facing life behind bars or worse. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Mm-hmm.